Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. This is True Crime Psychology and Personality, where we discuss the pathology behind some of the most horrific crimes and those who committed them from a scientifically informed perspective. I'm Dr. Todd Grande. I have a PhD in counselor education and supervision, and I'm a licensed professional counselor of mental health. Dr. Todd Grande, that's my YouTube channel. Today's question is, can I analyze the case of Lauren Pazienza? In 2022, Lauren Pazienza lived with her fiancé in an upscale one-bedroom apartment in Astoria, Queens, New York. Her fiancé and his father purchased the apartment in 2019. Lauren's father, Daniel, owns a cesspool company in Holtzville, New York, which is on Long Island. Apparently, it's not just any cesspool company. According to the website, it was ranked the number one cesspool company in Suffolk County for three different years. Additionally, it's been providing service for over three generations. That's a strange way to quantify the concept of a generation. That's like if somebody went to the store and said, I purchased over three oranges. Either way, Lauren graduated from high school in 2013 and attended the Fashion Institute of Technology. In 2017, she earned a bachelor's degree in direct and interactive marketing. Lauren had a number of jobs, including working as an event coordinator for a high-end French furniture company. She would frequently attend fancy parties and art gallery openings. She was considered a socialite. According to her attorney, she hit her ceiling at that job and quit in December of 2021. At the time of the alleged crime, which I'll get to in a moment, she worked for a retail store. Some of her neighbors implied that Lauren was not a peaceful resident at her condominium complex, saying things like she was always having an issue with someone in the building, she was definitely not the best tenant, and she was sometimes confrontational, but not violent. A former classmate of hers from the second grade reported that she was a boy who always had a crazy look in her eyes. The classmate said that she would kick him and call the other students names. I think it's challenging to derive any meaning from a disgruntled anonymous second grade classmate. This seems to be reaching a bit. What are we going to hear next? That Lauren monopolized the Tickle Me Elmo doll during kindergarten recess? What a monster. Despite the allegations of a second-grade reign of terror and her being a confrontational tenant, Lauren does not have any criminal record. This brings us to the alleged crime on March 10, 2022. According to the police, here's what happened. Again, these are only allegations. There have been no convictions in this case at the time making this video. At 8.30 p.m., 26-year-old Lauren Pazienza crossed West 28th Street near 8th Avenue in New York City and approached an 87-year-old singing coach named Barbara Goostern. Lauren came up behind her as Barbara was walking toward a taxi 
only a few feet from her residence. Lauren called Barbara an unkind word that begins with a B and rhymes with ditch before pushing Barbara to the pavement. It's not clear if anything precipitated this attack. Immediately after the attack, Lauren walked away quickly. Barbara was mortally wounded, having sustained traumatic brain injuries. In the moments following the attack, Barbara identified Lauren as the attacker and said that she shoved her harder than she's ever been hit in her life. Barbara did not know Lauren or why Lauren attacked her. At 8.33 p.m., three minutes after the attack, witnesses see a woman matching the assailant's description crossing 9th Avenue westbound onto West 28th Street. At 8.37 p.m., witnesses spot Lauren having a physical altercation with her fiancé. At 8.43 p.m., witnesses see Lauren on the south side of West 29th Street near 8th Avenue looking toward the crime scene. She watched as an ambulance arrived. At 9 p.m., Lauren and her fiancé are spotted entering Penn Station. This is two blocks north. After transferring trains at Times Square Station, Lauren and her fiancé arrive at their apartment in Queens at 9.50 p.m. Lauren was wearing the same clothes as she was near the incident. The couple was tracked using her fiancé's Metro card. They were both using that same card. The police released images of Lauren that were captured on surveillance video. It seems clear that she knew the authorities were looking for her. In the two weeks following the attack, Lauren took a number of actions which support this theory. For example, she quit her job, she deleted all her social media accounts, and she deleted a website which featured her upcoming wedding in June. Barbara died on March 15, 2022, five days after the attack. After this, Lauren fled to her parents' house on Long Island, and she stopped using her cell phone. Eventually, she hid her phone at her aunt's house. Two people who knew Lauren alerted the authorities. The police visited Lauren's parents, but her father denied that she was there and would not let the police search the house. Lauren surrendered to the authorities on March 22. She was charged with manslaughter in the first degree and assault in the first degree. She's facing 25 years in prison if convicted of either charge. Reportedly, her fiancé is standing by her through this troubling time. The good news for the happy couple is that inmates can get married, although of course it does affect the venue options, as in, there aren't any. There is a long list of notorious criminals who have married in prison, just to name a few. Ted Bundy, Richard Ramirez, Mark David Chapman, the man who killed John Lennon, Manson family member Susan Atkins married two times in prison, as did Lyle Menendez. His brother Eric married as well, but just once. The moral of the story is that Lauren doesn't need to let this whole manslaughter situation interfere with true love. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the US like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. 
The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Now moving to my analysis. In the state of New York, manslaughter in the first degree is a class B felony that is charged when one person causes the death of another with intent to cause serious physical injury. So the intent was not to kill, but death is the result. Based on the available evidence, Lauren may have an uphill battle as far as avoiding some type of conviction. A witness said that Barbara identified Lauren before dying. Lauren allegedly called Barbara an unkind name before the attack, which could indicate some degree of anger. Lauren was captured in the area on video surveillance, and she may have demonstrated consciousness of guilt by engaging in activities that made her more difficult to locate, like not using her phone and deleting social media accounts. In addition, Lauren allegedly attacked someone 61 years older without provocation, coming up behind her and pushing her. People get particularly offended when elderly individuals are attacked, especially when there is absolutely no reason. This was a senseless attack. Lauren's attorney suggested that the evidence is not clear on what actually happened to Barbara. He indicated this could have been a push, shove, a kick, or perhaps someone tripped. If there was a push, it could have been accidental. He also suggested there was no evidence Lauren was watching Barbara lying on the street. I think this case may come down to Lauren's intent. If she pushed Barbara without provocation, it seems clear some type of crime was committed. The question is, did Lauren have the intent to cause serious physical injury? Is this really a manslaughter case, or should a lesser charge apply? Most people would not expect a person to die from being pushed. If one were to run under the assumption that Lauren did push Barbara to the pavement, what could be going on in a situation like this? This is just a theory, my opinion. Lauren grew up living a life of privilege. She had a temper and was not afraid to get confrontational. Her father's cesspool empire, combined with whatever wealth her fiancé possessed, made her feel invincible. Living life as a New York City socialite, she believed that she could do whatever she wanted. On March 10, 2022, Lauren encountered Barbara. It's not clear what motivated Lauren to approach her from behind, but perhaps Lauren was trying to get into the same taxi, like she was walking toward the taxi when she realized that Barbara was walking ahead of her. So, in a moment of anger, she pushed her and called her an unkind name. Maybe there was absolutely no reason for the attack. Lauren was just feeling particularly mean and thought she would push a random stranger. Maybe she selected someone elderly to ensure that she would be victorious in the altercation. Lauren probably did not believe that her actions would result in Barbara's death. She stayed around the area and watched the ambulance because she was shocked, not necessarily because she was taking joy in Barbara's suffering. Realizing that she would likely go to prison, Lauren's thoughts immediately turned back to herself. It was all about Lauren. She was self-centered. 
She was trying to think of a way to escape responsibility for her behavior. She makes her way back to Queens using her fiancé's metro card and takes all those other measures to avoid being located by the police. When Barbara dies, Lauren becomes particularly fearful. Now the potential consequences have increased to manslaughter. Eventually, Lauren accepts that she is in trouble, contacts an attorney, and surrenders. Moving to the next question, what would justice look like in this case? If Lauren is guilty, I think 12 years in prison would be appropriate based on the evidence available so far. There really isn't a lot available so far. The story is still in the early stages. Lauren caused the death of an innocent person, but she probably did not intend to kill her. If she had immediately accepted responsibility and stayed at the scene, I would have viewed this case more like four years in prison, but running away and trying to hide demonstrates extreme self-centeredness and a lack of empathy. It leads to concerns that the criminal behavior may continue in the future. I think this case serves as another reminder that having a temper can lead to disaster. If somebody goes throughout their life trying to bully other people, one day their luck may run out. They may end up causing damage which will have definitive and severe consequences. This has been True Crime Psychology and Personality from Ars Longa Media. This content is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Ars Longa Vita Brevis. Did you guys hear about that couple that went on vacation and one spouse murdered the other? In fact, the entire vacation was planned just so that they could make the murder look like an accident. Ah, so like a slaycation. Oh boy, sounds like a fun new true crime podcast to me. On every episode of Slaycation, we'll examine true cases of people who were killed while on vacation. Was it murder? Or just a horrible accident? That's up to you and the law to decide. But either way, if you leave for your vacation in the plane and come home under the plane, you've definitely gone on a slaycation. Join us every week for a fascinating new episode. 911, what's your emergency? But make sure to pack your body bags, because getting away can be murder. This is Slaycation. Slaycation.